Our Father, who art in heaven, Jesus, hallowed be thy name. You are so great. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This can't be how you meant for things to be. Help me to spread your love around here. Give us this day our daily bread. Please watch out for me today. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive me for taking you for granted as we forgive those who trespass against us. And help me to forgive others as you've forgiven me. Lead us not into temptation. There's so many distractions going on in my life right now. Keep me focused. But deliver us from evil. Please keep me pure. Keep me safe. Just help me to live my life like you want me to. Thanks for listening. I love you. Amen. Amen. This month we're focusing on the Lord's Prayer and asking God to teach us as we look at the different phrases, the different lines in the Lord's Prayer and what they mean. God, teach us about prayer, teach us about you, and teach us about ourselves because we want an intimate relationship with you, a close relationship. We want an, a, a meaningful prayer life. So if you have your Bible, open with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Last Sunday I mentioned that the Lord's Prayer is recorded in two places in the New Testament, Matthew and Luke. And when Jesus uh, was, was, was speaking the Lord's Prayer, it was two different occasions. And so you'll see some differences in them because he was speaking to different crowds. And it's like when you and I tell a story uh, this year and then maybe next year we tell it again or we're teaching some subject. We, we cover the same material. We make the same points, but we don't always say it verbatim, right? I mean, that's just the way things work. And so Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer more than once, and it's not a prayer that you have to say verbatim. It's an outline. It's a model. It's a guide to help you learn how to pray in a way that is effective, a way that is that is meaningful. Now, in our weeks together, we're going to focus on the version of the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6 because it's the longer one. It's the one you're more familiar with than many of you in the past have uh, also memorized. And you'll remember last Sunday... I said that it's all about a relationship with God, that if you really want to understand what prayer is, it's about a relationship with the Lord. And so you're going to notice this morning how true that really is. So do you, do you have your Bible? Matthew chapter 6. Let's read together, starting at verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, the word's on the screen, but let's read together the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, beginning at verse, uh, verse uh, 9. And Jesus is saying, here's how you're to pray. Here's the model. He said, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from, from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning, we're going to focus on verse 9 where Jesus said, you start your prayer, the essence of prayer is to focus on that very first phrase, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Sacred, consecrated, special, honored be your name. And what I want you to notice right off the, right off the go is there are two things that are important to have a meaningful prayer life. One is intimacy and the other is respect. An intimate relationship with the Father and a respect for who he is and what that means in your life. So think about those phrases. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father speaking to intimacy, that we have a relationship with him, that we are family, there is a connection, we are his children. 
and then who is in heaven. He's not He's not limited to earth. He's different than us. He's other than us. He's bigger than us. He's God, hallowed, sacred, honored, separated, different, holy is your name. So it's so to have a great prayer life and a, a relationship with Jesus Christ that is life-changing and growing means you, you need to find both of those in your prayer life and in your walk with Christ, this sense of intimacy, this sense of closeness, this sense of relationship, but also this sense of having the proper respect for God as well. Think of it like um, our children when they're really young. Or if you're a grandparent with your really young kids, a couple of weeks ago, Jacqueline and her family came to see us, and we were outside, and when they pulled in to the driveway in, in the van, Liliana, who just turned five, she jumped out of the van, and she started running toward us. Nana, Paul, you, you've all seen little kids do that, right? Whether it's with their parents or with their grandparents when they're really, really young. Now, I know when they get a little bit older and become teenagers and stuff, they don't run to you anymore, but when they're little, they do. And uh, one of my favorite memories is back in 2014, when Monisa and I were, were in Italy, uh, Jacqueline and her family lived in a little town in the northern part of Italy called Sicile because her husband's in the Air Force, and that was about 20 minutes from the base. Monisa and I flew over, spent a couple of weeks vacationed in Rome, Florence, and Venice, and then we made their way to their house. And so we caught a train in Venice, and we made the, the ride up to Sicile. And it's a small town, so it's a small train station, and we're sitting toward the back of the train, and uh, Jacqueline's already at the hospital because she's getting ready to give birth to Liliana. And so Evan and, and his dad and Liam are there at the, at the train station. They're on the on the platform. And, and I'm the first one to step off. And I step off. And then Monisa steps off behind me. And, and down about the distance to the back of that wall is Evan and Liam. And, all that. and so this little boy, Liam, our grandson, who's four years old, I can still see him. It's one of my favorite memories. I can still see that little boy with all of his long curls in his hair running as fast as he could. Paul, Nana, Paul, Nana. And I picked him a big old hug. Still have a picture from that moment. Because kids and grandkids, when they're little, they just want to be with you, right? They, they love you and man, they, they want to be in your presence. They just want to be with you. They want you to hold them and hug them and love on them. And and Jesus is saying when he begins the Lord's Prayer, if you're going to understand prayer, you begin with our Father. You have to understand that it's about a relationship. It's about an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. In a ver and in a very real way, there should be within us this hunger, this desire to be in the presence of God just to, to run to him and, 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 and be near him and be hailed by him, our father in intimacy. But, you know, there's something else. When kids are little, they look up to us, right? I mean, when they're little, they think their dad and their grandfather, their mother, their grandmother can do no wrong. They know everything, have all the answers. They're strong. They're smart. They're perfect. They're great. They're the best, right? And then they get older and they, they begin to question that. They don't, they, don't know, they don't think you know everything. They don't think you're right about it. You know, and, and, and you know, that's a part of the process of life, the cycle of life. But when kids are little, I mean, when they're young, you're their world. And you're the biggest influence on them. And Jesus is saying prayer is like that. Your relationship with God is like that, that you are to desire to be in his presence. And also understand that you look up to him with reverence. You look up to him with respect. He's your father. But that means he's smarter than you. He's stronger than you. He's wiser than you. He, he's, he's different than you. And so at his essence, prayer is not about your shopping list, your Christmas list, your wish list, your to-do list. At its heart, 
Prayer is about a relationship between you and God, you and Jesus Christ. And so there's an intimacy to it, there's a relationship side to it, and there's also this respect, this reverence, this honor for God. And so what I want to do is just point out three important lessons about prayer from verse 9 of the Lord's Prayer. And here's the first one. Prayer starts with God, not us. Listen to me. Prayer starts with God, not me, not you. And you need to write that down because it's something important for you to understand. See, a, a meaningful prayer life begins with your focus being on Him, who He is, His character, His purpose, His plans, His will, what is on His heart, what He's concerned about in this world. It doesn't start with you and your list. It starts with Him and His list. We get around to our list. What's on my heart matters. But because it's first and foremost about a relationship like an innocent child, Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. It's, it's always about that kind of relationship. We don't grow out of that if we want to be healthy. Last summer, um, Evan Jacqueline's husband was on a tour in the Air Force. He was gone for about six months or so overseas. And so especially during the summer, she and the kids spent as much time with us as possible so we could help out. And I believe it was in July, we were up in Tennessee at the lake. And one day we did a, a day trip over to Pigeon Forge because Liam, who was eight at the time, is just fascinated with the Titanic. I mean, he has books, he watches videos on YouTube and TV, and if there's a factoid about the Titanic, he has it memorized. I mean, he can tell you stuff about the Titanic you don't want to know. He draws pictures of it, he builds models of it, he just is crazy about the Titanic, just fascinating. And so we decided we're going to go over to Pigeon Forge and take him through the Titanic experience. Any of you ever been there and gone through that? All right, it's pretty fascinating. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. You can learn a lot, and I enjoyed it. It's not cheap, but it's fun. And, uh, <laughs> and so we all went through it, and, uh, and, and, and Liam was having a lot of fun, but it ended the way all of these things end. It ended with you being in the gift shop. You, could, you couldn't get out till you, you had to pass through the gift shop to get out, right? They know what they're doing. They're smart business people. And so we walk in there, and they've got all these little things and neat little things, and they don't cost much. But then they've got some big things, and they cost a lot. And Liam, his eyes latched on to one of those big old models of the Titanic that he wanted that cost a lot. And Paul very nicely said, no. He didn't like that. He asked again. I said no. He asked again. I said no. He asked with more enthusiasm. I said no. Next thing I know, this cute little boy who's had a wonderful time throws a temper tantrum. Any of you ever had an experience like that? Yeah. You've been a parent, you, uh, you have. And uh, so I'm explaining to him, I'd already spent a lot of money just so we could do this, you know, and there's some other things we want to do. He didn't want to hear anything about money. I'm talking to him about appreciation, being thankful for what No, he didn't want to hear anything about that. He just wants what he wants, and he gets mad because he's not getting what he wants. Ruin the day. I wanted to whack him. I didn't, but I wanted to. 20 years ago, I probably would have. They didn't put you in jail for it back then. But he deserved it, right? Not the ship. I didn't buy it for him. And sometimes I think 
That's how we treat God. Sometimes I think when we when we pray, when we when it comes to this whole matter of prayer and our relationship with God, we we act like an eight year old boy who who wants something is mad because he's not getting what he wants. Because if we're not careful, when it comes to this thing called prayer, we start with me, with us, and our focus is on my list, what I want. What I desire, it's on me. And as, if, if that is the focus of your prayer life, if that is the heart and essence of your prayer life, is if that is where you always start in your prayer life and usually finish in your prayer life, your prayer life probably isn't all that great. And you probably find yourself getting frustrated with God, getting frustrated with life. Because a great prayer life doesn't begin with us. It begins with Him. You, do you remember last Sunday when I had the whiteboard out and I put God and us and our needs and wants and I said too often what we do is gaze or stare at what we want and glance at God, but what we're supposed to do is gaze and stare at God and glance at what we need and want because He already knows all that stuff. But when you keep your gaze on God, your prayer life is better. But when your focus is on me, mm -mm, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So the first lesson is prayer starts with God. Now, here's the second lesson. Prayer is about us, not just me. Write that down. Prayer is about us, not just me. Now, notice the Lord's Prayer. Verse 9. Our Father. Oh, you are. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debtors as we our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Do you find me in there anywhere? No. Each of those pronouns are first person plural. Us. Because I'm going to pray about things in my life and needs and so on. But prayer is bigger than that. Prayer needs to be about other people. It needs to be about God and His kingdom and what God is up to and what God wants and who God is. And it needs to be about other people. You need to be praying about the needs and dreams and hurts and fears and, and the spiritual development of others in your life like your family members, your friends, classmates. You, you need to be praying for people in your neighborhood, you, people in your Sunday school class. And by the way, fellow believers, you need to be praying for your fellow believers, not simply for their physical well-being. You need to be praying for their spiritual well-being because ultimately, hear me, ultimately their spiritual health is more important than their physical health. And when your gaze is on God, you begin to understand that. You need to be praying for... Uh, People in this country, the Bible talks about praying for leaders, whether it's leaders in the church, leaders in the government, leaders in our community. It's about us. It's about others. It's not just about me and what I want. It's about all the other people that God's trying to work in their lives as well, praying for them. One of the things I really enjoy is most of our adult Sunday school classes send out an email every week full of prayer requests. So on Sunday morning, your classes this morning 
talked about prayer needs, and, and somebody's going to type that up. And some of you have already done it through our new uh, database, through our new software. Some of you have already got prayer requests waiting on you at home when you open up your email box. And, 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 and so class members share prayer requests and prayer needs. And sometimes it's about sickness. Sometimes it's about a job somebody needs. Maybe it's about a marriage that's in trouble. It could be about a grandchild that's in rebellion. It could be about uh, somebody who's struggling with some something in life. It could be all, all kinds of things, and they send those out. And I get several of those from the Sunday school classes, and I am blessed to read those and be able to pray through some of those requests every week. And, and then I've also noticed during the week that, that some of the classes send out updates. One of the reasons as an adult you need to be in one of our groups, one of our Sunday school groups, is so that, you can be a blessing to others. You can be praying for others so that your prayer life is not just about me, but it's got an us component. As you discover the other needs of people, you pray for them because you can't do that if you don't know what their needs are. And you won't know what their needs are if you're not in community, if you're not connected somewhere, finding out what they are. In our D groups, our discipleship groups that we're going to talk about this fall and and, and launch more of those, um, we end each of our weekly gatherings after we read the scripture and talk about what God said to us that week and do accountability and all and, and, and on. We, we end it with some prayer requests. What's going on in your life? How can we pray for one another? And it's sometimes about physical things, but it's about family things. It's about spiritual things, decisions. And so, what, you know, I, I'm, I've, I've met with groups at Dunkin' Donuts. I've met with groups at the food court at the mall. We bow our heads right there in public and pray for each other. That's part of what Jesus is saying here is that your prayer life is not just me, it is us. It is us. And here's the third lesson. There needs to be a balance in your life, a balance in your prayer life between intimacy and respect. Your intimacy with Christ and your respect for who he is. And what happens is sometimes we get it out of balance. If your focus is all the way on Jesus being your friend and intimacy, if you're not careful, he becomes little more than a Santa Claus. If your emphasis is almost totally on reverence, respect, sovereignty, then you, if you're not careful, you can begin to see God as somebody who's, who's harsh and a task, you know, uh, master and, and, and doesn't care. And both of those will cripple your prayer life. Both of those will cripple you spiritually because if you're going to be healthy in your prayer, if you're going to be healthy in your discipleship, you've got to hold those two in balance because they are equally true. He is Father, our Father who is in heaven. He's beyond this earth. He's more than just us. Hallowed be your name, reverence, honor. You've got to hold those in balance. That, that leads to health. That leads to a meaningful prayer life. And so let's talk about those two for just a moment. Let's talk about the intimacy, our Father, which as I said means that we're in a relationship with God and it's a, a close relationship with Him and He desires, listen, He desires intimacy with us. We, we, are, to be, we are to be able to, to approach Him and speak to Him with the freedom of a little child. No hesitation. 
no fear. We, we know he's our father and loves us and is merciful and cares about us and we are to run into his arms and run into his prayer, into his presence because he's always accessible, always available. There's, there's a passage in the Old Testament when one of the prophets was making fun at some of the, one of God's prophets making fun at uh, the false prophets of, of an idol and, and, uh, and, and these false prophets were praying to their idol and nothing was happening. And he looked at him and he laughed and he made fun of him. He said, what's wrong? Is your, is, is, he take, is your God taking a nap? Is your God on a vacation? Has your God gone to the bathroom? What's wrong? What's wrong? God is always, listen, he's always accessible. Anytime, no matter what's going on in your life, he's never on vacation. He's always available. He's our Father and I am so thankful, and 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 you know, just like when, when our kids and grandkids are little, parents parents have the biggest influence on them, right? I mean, as they get older, other people influence them, but when they're little, nobody influences kids the way mom and dad influences kids. And when you, as a as a child of God, as a child of faith, you keep that innocence about you, and you and you are in the presence of God all the time, and He's your Father, and you you run into His arms. He will continue to be the largest influence in your life. So he's your father. There's an intimacy there. And and let me say this. Prayer is how you develop intimacy with God. Did you did you get that? Prayer is the is the vehicle for developing intimacy with God. You can't develop closeness to God if you never rest in His presence by talking to Him and listening to Him as you read His Word. I mean, all of you who are married, couples, you understand this, that that you draw closer together when you learn how to communicate with each other effectively. That, That couples who know how to talk, they talk to each other, they listen to each other, they've learned how to resolve issues and conflict in a respectful way, and they do that consistently. They talk to each other consistently. They develop closeness. They develop greater intimacy. But couples who don't know how to talk or they don't take the time to talk, they argue all the time. They never learned how to resolve differences and conflict and develop compromise. They don't listen to each other. They don't hear each other. They don't make time for it. They're not developing intimacy. They're growing apart. If you're going to stay close to your siblings, it means you have to communicate from time to time. I mean, I understand the old saying, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and there's an element of truth to that, but it's really small because the truth is most of our relationships, our close relationships, are a a result of geography. Those that you hang out with, those you talk to and listen to, you develop a relationship with those you never talk to, you never hear from, distance develops. And the same thing is true with God. You want a close relationship with God, a meaningful prayer life, intimacy with God, then you have to make time to be in the presence of God, to hear His voice and to speak to Him, to read the Word and to pray and talk to Him. And we'll talk more about how you do that in just a moment. So intimacy with God. Um, Friday, in my quiet time, I read the fifth chapter of Romans. 
It's part of being uh, in, a, in a D group. We read one chapter of Scripture five days a week. And it's a systematic reading plan, so we're not just jumping around. At the end of the year, we will have read and prayed through every chapter of the New Testament. So I was reading chapter 5. And as I was reading, because always, you always start by asking, God, speak to my heart, okay? I'm trying to share with you a way you can do this, okay? So God, speak, as I read, I don't want to just read and learn. God, talk to me, okay? Show me something. And so I'm reading, and the verse that God used to speak to me that day was, was, was verse 6. And I've got it on the screen, uh, part of it any, anyway, where he says, while we were helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And, and all of a sudden, those two words, helpless and ungodly, helpless and ungodly, jumped off the page at me, and I just stopped reading it, verse 6, and I took a little time to think and to pray. Wow. Without Jesus? That's me. Without Jesus, I am completely helpless spiritually, helpless to raise from the dead, helpless to be forgiven, helpless to ever see heaven. I'm helpless without Jesus. Ungodly? Yeah. Because even though I do a lot of good, there's still bad in my life. I'm ungodly. And the only thing that makes me pure is Jesus. And so I just thought about that and I I prayed about it and I wrote a a sentence or two in my journal and and actually... that day I actually tweeted about it. That's what you're looking at there on the, the screen. And in my journal, I always, after, after I, I, pray, I always like to write in quotation marks a one to two, maybe three-sentence prayer just as my way of responding to what God said to me. And so Friday what I wrote in my prayer journal was, Oh, Lord, may I see myself this way, helpless and ungodly, see myself this way so I will have more gratitude for Jesus and His grace. May I see the lost this way so I will pray, witness, love, and invite more of them. So if I don't see the people around me who don't know Jesus as helpless and ungodly, I'm not going to do anything, be motivated to pray for them to, to do much. But, but you've, got, you've got to see yourself. So God just spoke to me. And I responded. And here's the thing. So when you're, when you're engaging that way, when you're reading the scripture and you're hearing from God and then you stop and you answer God, you respond to God, all of a sudden, you know what's happening? You are having a conversation with God. It's not one way. It's not you just reading the scripture and God talking and you don't ever respond. It's not you've got your prayer list, you've got your Christmas list, you've got your shopping list. And you're telling God all this stuff, but you're not listening to God. It becomes a conversation. And it starts with Him and what He says and what He wants to say to me. Then after I go through that process, guess what? Now I'm in a position to talk about give me my daily bread. But listen, there's a reason Jesus put our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name first, because you're not ready and able to pray about the others the right way until you get that part right. That's where you start. Is with him, not me, not us. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right. The second part of that balance is respect. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
is the idea that, God, your name is to be honored and respected. There's, there's to be reverence for you because of who you are, your character and your holiness and your goodness and your greatness and your power. If you really understand what Jesus means here in the Old Testament, God gave Moses his most personal, sacred name. In Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush, when God called Moses to go to Egypt and deliver the, 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 the Hebrew people, Moses asked God a question. He said, God, now when I go and tell them what you, you, you're going to do and what you've told me to do, they're going to ask who sent me. They're going to ask me what is his name. What am I to tell them? And verse 15, as you see on the screen, is God's response. Now, I want us to look at it. Let me explain something, okay? God, furthermore, said to Moses, God, the Hebrew word there is Elohim, common name for God. God, furthermore, said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, and I'll come back to that, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God, Elohim again, the God of Abraham, Elohim, the God of Isaac, Elohim, the God of Jacob, Elohim, has sent me to you. Notice this. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations. The most sacred, personal, intimate name for God he gave Moses that day. And in your English Bible, when you see the Lord, in Hebrew it's the word Yahweh. That sacred name of God was so special that a devout Jew would not speak it. A devout Jew would say the name of God should not even be spoken by any man or woman's sinful lips. And so every time in the Hebrew Bible they came to God's sacred name, Yahweh, they substituted the word the Lord rather than speak it. And so in many of your English translations of the Bible in the Old Testament, and also New Testament passages that are quoting the Old Testament, when you see Lord, all four letters in caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it means that in the original Hebrew, that's where God's sacred holy name, Yahweh, occurs. And they would say Lord. Because they understood that when you're talking about the name of God, you're not just talking about a name like Steve or Jim or Joe or Susie or Sally. You're talking about the very essence of who God is, God's character and God's integrity and God's, re, God's reputation and God's, God's holiness, that, that who God is. Because in the preceding verses in Exodus, when Moses was asking God who he is and what he, God says, I am and I am who I will be and who I was, I'm the unchanging one, because the essence of what Yahweh means is that God is who he is and he never changes. And so when Jesus says, pray this way, our Father, intimacy, relationship, kid, close, love, mercy, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's in essence saying, when, when you pray, you need to pray with the mindset that you're saying, God, I want you and your name and your character 
and, and your reputation and your power to always be honored, to always be respected, to always be held high. And God, it's not just that people think of you like that, but God, I pray, I pray that me, your child, your son, your daughter, you're my father, okay? Father, I pray that I, in the way I talk, in the way I live, in the decisions I make, always honors who you are. That my life always demonstrates respect and reverence for your character, for your godliness, for your reputation. And God, that nothing in my life tarnishes your name. Nothing in my life tarnishes your reputation. Nothing in my life as a disciple, as a child of yours, tarnishes who you are in the eyes of this world, in the eyes of lost people. Because in a very real way, God's reputation is tied to our reputation. People in this world who don't know Jesus will think about God what they see in us. And so in the Lord's Prayer, when he said, pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, that's what he's saying you do. That's why it starts with him, his purpose, what's on his heart, his desires, not with us, not with me. When I do that, I know how to pray for the other stuff. I'm better prepared to deal with the other stuff. I um, I have a lot of breakfast meetings. Bob Evans out here close to the church. It's close. I like it. Have oatmeal. They'll base my eggs rather than fry them in grease. I like that. So I, I have a lot of meals at Bob Evans. Now I have to tell you, years ago, First time I ever ate at a Bob Evans, Monisa and I stopped at one in Virginia. We were traveling, saw it, never eaten one. Let's do it. Didn't like it. I don't remember why. I don't know if the food was bad. I don't know if the service was bad. I just remember we did not like it. We talked about it. By the way, have you ever gone somewhere to eat and the service was bad or the food was bad? Did you go out and brag on how good it was? No, we don't do that, do we? And so for years... We'd pass a Bob Evans. We wouldn't stop. They opened the one here in Rock Hill. It took a few years. I, I didn't go. That one bad experience had a bad reputation in my mind. Wouldn't go. I don't remember why I finally went the first time again. You know, I don't. I, but I did, and it was a good experience. And I'm still going, and, and and I like it. But you know, it took years to overcome the reputation in my mind that was developed by one bad experience. are you doing in your life when it comes to the reputation of Jesus, your Father, your King, your Savior? How hallowed is His name? How sacred, how consecrated is His name in your life and in your relationships? See, prayer is not just about asking. It's about who He is and who you are becoming. 
It's about who he is and how much you are growing in your relationship with him and being changed because of that growing relationship. Prayer is about relationship. The asking is just a small part of it. And when you figure that out, boy, everything changes. I want to ask you, I want to ask you to do something this week. Okay? Let me close with this. Here's a little suggestion, challenge. Some of you already do this, but most of you don't, so I want to encourage you. I'm going to ask you, read one chapter of Scripture a day for five days, say like Monday through Friday or through Saturday, but just five, five days, five, one chapter a day. I'm going to suggest you read 1 Thessalonians. Why? Five chapters. Don't jump all over the place. Pick, pick a, a, a book and stick with it in sequence, okay? Five chapters, and they're short chapters, so if you're not used to reading Scripture a lot, they're not long. Okay? So five chapters, and they're not that long, about 15 verses a chapter on average. And I, I want you to do something. I want you to pray before you read and say, God, as I read today, show me something. Speak to my heart about you. Show me something about me, about life. God, talk to me about me and about you. And then start reading. And all of a sudden, you're reading along, and there's a word or a phrase or a sentence or one verse that just kind of jumps out at you. Holy Spirit says something to you. He speaks to you. Stop reading. And just think about what he says. Just meditate on it. Think about it. Reflect on it. Apply it to your life. What does it mean? Then on a piece of paper or a notepad or a journal, just jot down one, two, three sentences describing what God said to you in that verse. Then I want you to pray about it. And when you finish praying, I want to suggest you do what I do. I like to just put in quotation marks in my prayer journal one to two sentences of a prayer to God as my response to what God said. And if it was a verse in the middle of the chapter, after you do that, keep reading. He may speak to you again. He may not. Sometimes he speaks to you at the end of the chapter from the essence of the whole chapter. It doesn't matter. I just want you to have the experience this week. If you're not used to doing this, this week, just, just for one week is all I'm asking, that you try this for one week and see what God does. And if you want to, email me and tell me about it. Steve H. at fbcrockhill.org. Steve H. at fbcrockhill.org. Steve H. at fbcrockhill.org. It's in the bulletin. It's on the website. And tell me about it. Now, here's the thing. If you learn to do that consistently, because just like a couple has to make time to talk, you have to make time to be with God. You've got 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. You do this consistently. You do this consistently for an extended period of time. You will not stay the same person you are today. Your relationship with Jesus will not be what it is right now. Team's coming to lead us in singing. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that each of us in this room would respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. God, that you would move us to grow stronger in our walk with you, to grow deeper in our relationship with you. And that, God, you would motivate us and then give us 
ideas on what to do so that we can we, we can make some time for you. Show us what to say no to, God, so we can say yes to you. Now, heads bowed and eyes closed. In just a moment, we're going to sing. And I'm asking you to say your own prayer to God. Make whatever commitment, whatever decision you need to make about your walk with Christ, about your willingness to spend just a few minutes today, tomorrow, Tuesday with Him in the Word, in prayer, and in the journey. If you need to come and pray, the altar is here for you to get on your knees and pour your heart out to God. Pastors are at the front. Jamie and Steve, if you'd like to come and commit your life to Christ or request baptism. It's beautiful seeing people follow Jesus in believers' baptism, declaring publicly their faith. If that's what you need, come to one of these pastors and say, I need to do that. I want to do that. If you want to join First Baptist, we welcome you. Come. So let's pray. You pray as God leads, as we all sing.